0: Well, as we jump in today to part two of our series, Inflated, let me tell you a little bit of a story about money in our family. Um, a couple a couple weeks ago, we were, we were in, in our house, and Marvel was upstairs napping, and I was sitting at my desk working on some stuff in, in, in one room, and Jalen and Noble were in the other room watching some TV, and Jalen said to Noble, hey, Noble, mommy's got to work, work for a little bit. I got to go pay for something for a client, so I got I to leave for a bit to pay for something. To which Noble replied, paying for things that's boring. Boring, boring to which both of uh, both Jalen in one room and me in the other without looking at each other. I went, Amen, and Jalen went, Hallelujah. And then we heard each other say that, cracked up laughing, ran into the same room like we did it at the same time, it's amazing. To which Noble looked like, What are you guys even talking about? And we just thought, We just both agree that paying for things is boring. And so that's our our money in our family. Now, today, we're in part two of our series, Inflated. And as we talk about our finances and our financial health, and to review where we started last week, we looked at the nine things that most people will do with their money. And we said that almost everything we do with money serves to inflate Me. And what we said is a big danger right now in our current financial climate is that as everything gets tighter, our temptation will be to ignore the one thing that keeps me in my place and keeps me and my ego and my pride and my arrogance in its place. Last week, we talked about giving because we said giving is the one thing that we do with money that reminds me that me isn't the only thing that matters. Or as we said it last week, generosity is the one thing we do with money that grows our humility. So we prioritize giving. We give first to remind ourselves of our rightful place in the world and our rightful place before God. I give to keep me in my place. Now, Last week, I told you that we would come back and today we would talk about the other eight things on that list because as we said last week, as Jesus followers, we want to honor God with our whole lives. So we want to honor God with our giving, but we also want to honor God with our work, with the way we handle our taxes, with how we choose to spend our money, save our money, invest our money. We want to honor God with the way we handle all of it. We want to honor God with the way we handle all of it. And so today we want to talk about how to handle our money in a way that honors God with our money that that chooses responsibility over, over irresponsibility and how we do that well to honor our God. See, here's what I know about me and about you financially in relationship to how we honor God with our finances. If you don't give, me gets an overinflated view of me. Me thinks that me is all that matters. Me thinks that me gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until I explode and everyone else around me goes, yep, we saw that coming. If I don't give, me gets an overinflated view of me. But at the same time, if we give well, but we don't handle those other eight money things in a healthy way, eventually, me loses air and me becomes unhealthy and an unhealthy me doesn't honor the one who made me and loved me and called me and saved me so today the question is how do we handle it all in a healthy way when it comes to earning money and handling our taxes and our personal or family spending and our paying of off of debts and our saving and our investments how do we do all of that in a healthy way so today I'd really quick, I want to handle the first two about work and about our taxes because, because those are things that are, are kind of mandatory, but we all don't always have necessarily the right attitude about them. But but God actually does talk to us about how we work and about how we pay our taxes. So let me just talk about work real quick. There's a verse in Colossians 3, chapter 23, verses, 20, verses 23 and 24 that tells us how we should approach our work. It says this, and Paul wrote this in verse 23, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Work willingly whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. Remember that the Lord will give you inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. Is Christ. So here's the principle if you're you're, you're paying attention. How should we approach work? How should we approach work when it comes to working to earn the money that we all need in order to live our lives? You work diligently at your job because the way you work honors God or it doesn't you work diligently at your job. You put in your best effort for the nine to five that you're there, or the three to 11 that you're there, or the seven to seven that you're there, or if you're like whatever your schedule is for the time that you're at work, you work diligently at your job because the way you work, it either honors God or it doesn't. Now at the same time, as we focus on that, we never wanna let working for money become so addicting that we we neglect the important things in life because when you ignore things that are important to God, it does not honor God. If you're working so much to make so much money but you're ignoring your family, but you're not paying attention to your family, but you're not prioritizing your physical health, but you're like, like all of these things, if you're so addicted to this that all of these other things that are important to God, that they don't get the attention that they need, you have actually got an unhealthy balance to work. And so this is an important thing to find a balance, to work diligently at your job, because how you work at your job, whether you're diligent or not, it honors God or it doesn't. But we never become so addicted to our work towards success, towards making money, that we ignore the other important things in life that matter to God. Because when we ignore things that matter to God, it does not honor God. Now Let me talk about the second one. The second one is taxes. Fun stuff, right? Like, aren't we all, like, everybody excited in the room to hear me talk about taxes? One simple verse from Romans chapter 13, uh, actually three verses, verses five through seven, Paul wrote this, therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. Verse six, he said this, this is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Paul said in the face of like living underneath the yoke of the Roman government, the Roman empire, the Roman government and empire, which taxed at a rate that the world has maybe never seen since. If you owe taxes, you pay your taxes. Paul writing to Christians says the Christian responsibility. If you owe taxes, you pay taxes. And so here's our, here's our, our responsibility when it comes to paying taxes, pay every cent that you owe in taxes. And here's the second part of it. Don't pay a single cent more than you owe in taxes. See, that's the fun part. You're like, oh, he said to pay p- to pay our taxes. I don't like that. But the second part, like, don't pay a single cent more than you owe in taxes. You should pay exactly what you owe, but you should not pay a single cent more when it comes to your finances. Now, if you hate paying taxes, here's a, good, here's a, here's a great little tip for you. Give to your church and save properly for retirement, and you actually pay less in taxes. Just an idea there, okay? Want to let you know. And now and now that we've talked about earning money through our work, and now that we've talked about giving our money away to the government in the form of taxes, now let's talk about to handling the other stuff because here's where we got the most choice when it comes to our finances. Here's where we actually get the most decisions that we make when it comes to our finances. How we'll spend, what we'll spend on, how much to budget for certain things, what will matter most to us and what we'll save for and what we will invest in. And here's why it's really important for you to actually decide here. If you don't decide what will help you stay healthy, something else will drive the way you handle your finances and every financial decision that you will make. And when it comes to the things that will drive and dominate the way we approach money, there are three things. If we don't decide something healthy, there are three things that can dominate and drive our decisions and and influence our decisions when it comes to our finances. It's the family you came from, the demands of life, and your life experiences. It's the family that you came from, the demands of life and your life experience. Let me just talk about each of these for a little bit. The family that you came from. See, either you every single one of us, because of the family that we grew up in, you have a default setting when it comes to money. You saw how your parents handled it and maybe they handled it great and maybe they handled it terribly and maybe they were somewhere in the middle. Maybe they acted like things were always tight when things were actually pretty loose and maybe they actually acted like things were always loose when things were actually very tight. Maybe everything went on the credit card And the assumption was that there would be always a day where you could pay off that in the future And that day never really came but they could always open more credit cards You will either make the decision to try to replicate the good that you saw or you will try to run from the bad things that you saw, from the negative experiences that you had in your family growing up. You will either try to replicate it or run from it. See, let, let, me talk, let me talk about how this might be influencing you in ways that you don't recognize how the family that you grew up in is influencing the way that you that you handle and spend money. Now, some of you, you may be in serious debt right now because you're trying to replicate what they had without replicating the amount of money they made. And you're trying to have the same house that they had, by the way, when they were 55 and you're trying to have it when you're 28 and 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 and, and you don't make the same money that they had and the financial environment has changed and all of that has changed. And there's a lot of stuff that's changed, but you're just trying to replicate what they had and you're ending up in serious debt because you don't make the money that they made or you don't have what they had yet because you're not the same age. Some of you in your family, money wasn't something that you ever talked about. So you and your spouse, you don't ever talk about it. And that's an unhealthy way to approach money in a marriage. For some of you in your family, money money was all that anyone ever talked about. And it caused a level of stress and anxiety and you don't wanna have that. So you tried not to talk about it. And you're like, well, but we need to talk about it sometimes. And, and you have this thing going where like, there's this thing in our, from your family history that you're either trying to replicate or you're trying to run from. And it's affecting and influencing your financial health today. Let me talk about the demands of life. See, life gets really demanding when we haven't practiced good planning. That's a really great rhyme, and it's also true. Life gets really demanding when we haven't practiced good planning, when we don't have a budget in place, when we don't have financial priorities, when we haven't established what matters most to us. Everything screams for your attention everything screams for your attention. Media screams for your attention. There's always something to click on to buy off of Facebook. There's always the one-click shopping on Amazon. There's always more groceries that need to be bought. There's always another trip that goes on. There's always another bachelorette party. There's always another wedding. There's always another, always another, always another, always another. And the demands of life, if you're not careful, and if you don't prioritize what really matters to you, the demands of life will impact, in, in a, mostly most of the time in a very negative way, Will impact impact and influence your financial health. If you're not careful, if you don't have priorities, the, life's, the demands of life will suck the life out of your financial health. And then the final thing is simply this, it's the life experience. See, some of us, we have something that happened in our family lives where something that happened that sticks so clearly with you that you'll always blank or you'll never again blank. There's something that happened to you when you were 22 or when you were 27. Maybe when you were 22, you had a car breakdown and you were absolutely not prepared for, the, for, for replacing a transmission or replacing all of the stuff that needed to be replaced. And it hit you with a, a bill of like $4,800. And it hit you with that bill and you could not pay it. And as soon as you could get to a point where you're like, okay, we've paid all that off. You started going, I need to be prepared. I need to be prepared. So we're gonna save and save and save and save and save. And you're gonna drive like, and, and what you drive, is always kind of like, huh, huh, you're nervous about what the next thing that's going to break down, the next thing that's going to happen, you throw a load of money on, on, a, on a bill or on a credit card, and you're influenced by it. You're like, I'll never do that again. Or, or, I, or this happened, I, I want to make sure I'm always prepared for this. And, and you just go, whatever happened in that experience, it drives your current financial reality because you'll never again blank. Or you want to make sure that you'll always blank. And here's the thing, sometimes those can be actually really good, positive things that help us save. Sometimes those can be really negative things that make us unnecessarily tight-fisted with our money. And so to handle all of that and to maybe set a new course for what will drive your decisions with your finances, I'm going to give you three words today that represent what I believe God would describe and what God has described in scripture as a healthy approach to what we do with our money. The three words are prioritize, restraint, and discipline. Would you say that wherever you're watching from right now? Would you say that with me online? Ready? Number one, prioritize, restraint, and discipline. Prioritize, restraint, and discipline. Let's talk about prioritize first. Prioritize, the idea of prioritizing in scripture comes to us from Proverbs chapter 24, verse 27, where Solomon wrote this, put your outdoor work in order, in order, and get your fields ready. After that, build your house. After that, build your house. Now, this piece of advice from Proverbs, it seems a little surprising at first because to a modern reader, it's not clear why planting the field should be a higher priority than building the house since both appear to be necessities of life rather than luxuries. But if you think about it, the answer to that question actually becomes very obvious. Their field wasn't just something they needed for survival. It's actually a means of survival. If you're a farmer, your crops are your source of livelihood. If your field isn't properly planted and prepared, you won't have the money you need to build a house or provide for any of your other needs. So Solomon said, You prioritize the thing that is your means of survival. And once you have that going so that you can survive, you can afford to do the other things. So here's the question that all of us are asking. This is actually two separate questions, but one builds off of the other. The question simply this is, what what matters most and what matters most now what matters most and what matters most now what matters most meaning what is most important to me right now financially when it comes to financials financial things what is my chief priority. What is number one on my list? What's the thing that I need to do more than anything else right now? And the second part is simply the right now. What matters most right now? And there's two approaches to priorities. One is simply this. We are in this season. And number two is we must take this step. We're in this season and we must take this step. We are in this season, meaning is the answer to the question, what matters most now? not to not simply today what do i need what what matters most today but what matters most in this season and in this stretch meaning this stretch while you have young kids in the house for some of you while you have infants in the house let me tell you what matters most for you right now diapers Financially, diapers and formula. Diapers and formula. That's about it. Like if you got a, a child that's under under about three or four months, it's diapers and formula. What matters most financially, diapers and formula. But sometimes there are, there are different stretches of life. What this stretch, while you have young kids in the house. This stretch, while you're taking classes that you were so that you can you move forward into your career. This stretch, while you're attempting to buy a new home. This season, while you're leading up to retirement. This season, while you've got a kid in high school who's gonna go to college and you're trying to figure out how you're going to pay for college or how they're going to pay for college. This season right now, like let's talk right now, this season where gas is more expensive than it's ever been, what matters most and what matters most now? What matters most while we are in this season? What matters most while we are in this season? That should drive the decisions that you make because you have priorities when it comes to your finances. You have an order of operations. We're gonna do this first. This matters, and then once this is established, then we can go on to the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing. But before we have this done, we're not gonna pay attention to much of the other stuff. We're gonna get this done and get this done right. So what matters most while we're in this season? And then the second approach would be what matters most while we must take this step? Now, when I talk about steps, a lot of times we talk about taking a first step or a next step. In fact, some of that language actually comes from a, a financial planner, a financial advisor, and a financial guru, some would call him, named Dave Ramsey. He has this book called Total Money Makeover, The Financial Peace Universe, a whole, whole bunch of different branding around it. But he talks about these baby steps financially, baby steps financially. And I think these are incredible, incredible steps that can help us build a financial future, help us build and prepare for the future, help us manage our money well, and help us to know what is our priorities in any given season. His seven steps to seven baby steps in order. The first step is to save $1,000 for a starter emergency fund. So if you have an emergency, it doesn't all go on the credit card. The second step is to pay off all debt except for your house. So you pay off the money that you owe to your family, you pay off the credit cards, you pay off the student loans, you pay off everything that you can pay off as quickly as possible. You pay off all debt except the house. That's step number two. Step number three is to save three to six months of expenses in fully funded emergency fund. Meaning that if you were to lose your job or if you were to just like, have a a terrible financial emergency, that you would have three to six months of expenses in your emergency fund. It's what we would call fully funded. After that, step four is to invest in retirement. To invest in retirement. Step five is to save for your children's college fund. Now, some of you are like, I'm not going to pay for my kid's college. They're going to pay for that for themselves. That's fine. That's a decision that you can make. But his step five is is to save for your children's college fund. Step number six is to pay off your house early to pay off your, you're like, you're like, we'll pay off the house early. We got to be in pretty good financial footing to do that. Well, guess what? If you've done step one, two, three, four, five, you're actually in pretty good shape probably to pay off your house early, but you don't start to pay off your house early unless you've followed the steps in order. And step number seven is to build wealth and practice in extreme generosity, to build wealth and practice extreme generosity. Now, here's the thing. When you look at that, you're like, okay, well, I don't know where we are. If you don't know where you are, you need to figure out where you are. If you don't know, let me just say that again. If you don't know where you are, you need to figure out where you are. That's number one. If you don't know where you are, you need to figure out where you are. But once you know where you are, you can take a step. You can take a step. And the biggest thing that I would advise you today is you think about your financial priorities. What step must we take? What step must we take next? If we've got an emergency fund that's $1,000, so we have a little bit of a rainy day emergency fund, and we're starting to pay off the credit card debt, what's most important right now is to finish paying off that debt. And as soon as you've got all the debt paid off, What step must we take next? Well, now we start to prepare for bigger emergencies that may come along the way or for bigger things that happen with a car or for bigger things that happen with the house or for bigger things that may happen with our health. We We decide to prepare for the future. What step must we take? What season are we in? What do we need in this season? And what do we do when we must take this next step? That's how we practice priorities when it comes to our finances. Now let me talk about that second word, restraint. This is a word that no one loves. Just just if you're like, oh, I don't want to talk about financial restraint. I know. No one wants to talk about financial restraint. But it's important for us to talk about financial restraint because if we say we have priorities, but we do not practice financial restraint, we actually don't have priorities. We just want to have something on a piece of paper that we don't actually follow Here's what the Bible says about restraint financially. In Proverbs chapter 25, again, Solomon wrote this. In Proverbs chapter 25 and and in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 28 of chapter 25, Solomon wrote this. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. In the the old world, in the ancient world, cities all had gates, all had huge walls built around them to protect them from enemy invaders. And Solomon says, it would be better for a a person who lacks self-control. You are like a city that has no protection. Self-control is your protection from disaster that can come about you financially if you're not self-controlled. In Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20, he said this, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get which means if you get a paycheck and it's immediately spent or it's already spent before it even hits your bank account, Solomon would say, as much as I love you and as much as Solomon, I mean, I don't know if Solomon loves you. If you're a girl, he probably would love you a lot. Like as much as Solomon, (laughs) as much as Solomon would love you and as much as God loves you, He would say, if that's your approach to handling your finances, you may be handling finances in a foolish way, in an unrestrained way. See, restraint is the willingness to say no now so you can more comfortably say yes in the future. This is what's important. Restraint creates margin or breathing room. Allows you to have some wiggle room when it comes to your finances. And the key word there, as we say restraint is the willingness to say no now so you can more comfortably say yes in the future. Do you want to guess what the what the key word is in that sentence? That restraint is the willingness to say no. To say no. As a matter of fact, wherever you are, would you practice just saying that with me? Some of you, you're like, I actually didn't know you could say this word when it comes to finances. but let's all say the word no on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. No. It's that's That's the key word when it comes to restraint. Do you really need blank? And for many of us, there are things where the answer is yes, and there are a lot of things that we have been purchasing where the answer is no. And we need to actually practice restraint. But let me just tell you, one of the best questions that you can ask in practicing restraint is to actually pause and ask the question, do I really need blank? Let, let me give you some examples here. When you need to replace a vehicle, when, when the vehicle that you've been driving is, is absolutely not working for your family anymore, when it's breaking down, when it's being held together by duct tape and prayers, when you need to replace that vehicle, do we need to buy a new car? No. No. And if you don't need to buy a new car, don't buy a new car. Do I need to go tanning in a booth or could I go outside? Do I need to go tanning in a booth? Well, no. Do I need to order an appetizer before the meal? No. Do I need to stop and get Dutch Brothers on the way to their house? No. Do I need to make a set, here's a, here's a big one right now. Do I need to make a separate trip for this or can I wait and combine trips to save gas? Do I need to go to Sonic for ice cream since they don't have half-price shakes after eight? That is one of, like, can I just say that is one of the things that the, the pandemic has stolen from us? Sonic's half-price shakes after eight has been taken from us, and I don't know that I'll ever be able to move on from that. Anyway, do I need to go to Sonic for ice cream since they don't have half-price shakes after eight? Do I need a new outfit for this event? Now, here, here, here's the thing. I, I know some of you are going to be like, well, the answer is always yes. See, men and women say, I have nothing to wear, meaning very different things. Women say, I have nothing new to wear. I, ha- like, I have something to wear, but I've already worn that for one wedding, for one party, for one retirement thing. For one- you know, Like, I've, I don't have anything new to wear. Men say, I have nothing to wear when they mean, I have nothing clean to wear so let me just help you out here a little bit, guys and and girls, men, men and women alike here. Guys, if you have or have access to a washer and dryer, you can get something clean to wear. I just helped a whole bunch of people out financially. Ladies, I hate to tell you this, No one was paying attention to what you wore to the last wedding, and no one will be paying attention to what you wear to the next one unless you're the bride, okay? I just helped you out a whole lot financially. No one was paying attention to what you wore to the last wedding, and no one will be paying attention to what you wear to the next one unless you're the bride, okay? the, The question is simply this Do we need blank? Do I need blank? Do I really need blank? And see, sometimes we just simply need to practice a little, bit straight, little restraint, and when the answer to that question is no, we actually don't make the purchase. You're like, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. That's how we practice restraint. That's what practicing restraint looks like. It looks like asking the question and then accepting the answer. Asking the question and putting into practice the answer to the question. Do I really need... No. Do I need something? Maybe the answer is yes. But do I need this thing? No. Can I buy generic instead of the name brand? Yes. All, all these things, this is how we practice restraint. And then the third thing that should drive our financial decisions, if we want to practice a biblical approach to money, if we want to handle our money in a way that honors God, if we want to save well and spend well and pay off debt well and invest well and retire well and, and save for the future and save for emergencies and all of that, if we want to do all of that well, is discipline, is discipline. Discipline. Proverbs chapter 21, verse five says this, the plans of the diligent certainly lead to profit, but anyone who is reckless certainly becomes poor. Now, let me tell you what the key word in that verse is. I have always thought in the future that when it comes to finances, the key word is plans. It was as I prepared for this series a few weeks ago that I realized the key word in this verse is not plans, but it's the plans of the diligent, the diligent. See, anyone can make a plan. Some of you, you've been to a financial advisor and you have made a plan that has sat in a drawer and you have never followed it. You all, we all know it's one thing to make a plan and it's a whole other thing to have the discipline to actually work the plan. And here's what I would say. No matter what the plan is, a plan can be great, can be good, can be okay. No matter what the plan is, If you work the plan diligently, if you work it in a disciplined way, the plan will work for you. See, financial discipline is making the decision to prioritize and to exercise restraint over and over again in order to accomplish a financial goal. That's what discipline is. Discipline, when it comes to finances, is making the decision to prioritize over and over and over again. This is my financial priority right now. And every day, that's the priority until it happens. It's making the decision that this is my priority right now. So I'm going to exercise restraint and I'm going to say no, 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 so I can say yes to my financial priority. And we make that decision over and 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 over again in order to accomplish what we actually want to accomplish. This is what discipline is. It's practicing prioritization and it's practicing restraint over and over. Again. It's making those decisions over and over again. If you have a budget, but you don't follow it, you have priorities that you do not practice. It's typically from a lack of discipline. If you have a financial plan, but you don't follow it, you have a plan that you are not participating in. And that's typically because we have a lack of discipline. And so here's the thing. In the same way of our, of our, of our physical health, In the same way that you're not healthy because you eat a salad instead of a burger one day, financial health doesn't happen by prioritizing and by choosing restraint one time. It happens as a result of prioritizing and sacrificing repeatedly over time. See, here's the thing that you know, and hopefully you know this, but I, I would remind you in case you don't know this, that our lives are the result of our repeated decisions. Our lives, my life and your life, they are the result, they are the outcome, they are the sum of our repeated decisions. The things that we decide day after day after day after day after day that's what becomes our life. And so here's what this looks like. If your discipline is every single day I'm going to stop on the way to work to get Starbucks or D- Dutch Brothers or Dunkin or whatever coffee thing that you're going to get every single day, you're draining 5 to 6 dollars from your bank account before you even get to make mo- before you even go to make money. That's your discipline. You are taking money out of your paycheck before you even get to the place where you will make your paycheck. It might be time to start a new discipline. For some of you, the, if, if you want to build a better future, if you want to save for a better for a better future, if you want to save for emergencies so that an emergency doesn't wipe you out in the future, it might require a lot more restraint and a lot more discipline and a lot more pri- like that. That your priority is 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 built by by exercising restraint, and that you exercise restraint over and over and over again. And you say no to a lot of little things so that you can build something big. This is what discipline is. It chooses restraint over and over. It chooses their priority over and over. This is what discipline does. And as we choose discipline, we build something really, really strong in our lives. Now, here's the thing. Last thing I want to say is simply this. We don't choose pri- to prioritize and, to, and, and choose restraint and choose discipline just for their own sake. In other words, prioritizing is not the goal with your finances. Restraint is not the goal with your finances. Discipline, is not the goal with your finances. They're all wonderful things, but those are tools to help you achieve something and accomplish something and experience something when it comes to your finances. Because as you said at the very top this morning, the goal is health. The goal is peace. The goal is freedom. The goal is being healthy to, uh, because your physical health and your financial health and your personal health, it honors God. It honors the one who made you, the one who saved you, the one who called you, and the one who loves you. When you handle your finances well, it honors the one who has given you the finances in the first place, the one who is the source of every blessing that you have. The goal is not just to be prioritized. The goal is not just to be disciplined. The goal is not just to choose restraint. The goal is to choose those things so that you can live in freedom and peace and joy and health when it comes To your finances. So let me just ask this question Can you imagine what your life would look like and what your life would feel like if you actually put into practice and use the tools of prioritization and use the tools of discipline and use the tool of restraint to build a life of financial peace and to build a life of financial health and to build a life of financial freedom? Can you even imagine? Some of you are like, I actually don't know what that would be. I can't imagine. Well, close your eyes, and just for one minute while I'm talking, imagine that you don't have credit card debt. Imagine that when it gets to July, you're not still paying off last Christmas. Imagine you need new brakes on your car, and you have the money to pay for the brakes on your car. Imagine your kid who is starting high school next year and they need cleats or or equipment for their sports and you have the money to pay for all of it without putting it on a credit card. Imagine that you're going to retire in three years and you have the freedom and you have the peace to know that you can retire safely and soundly and enjoy retirement. Now open your eyes whatever you just pictured there, it's worth building. Imagine, imagine you have the freedom that when God asks you to give some money away, you don't cling to it and hold to it, but you actually step in obedience to whatever God is asking you to give. You can experience that, you can live in that, but it doesn't happen overnight and it doesn't happen simply because You want it to happen. It happens because you choose to prioritize. It happens because you choose restraint. And it happens because you choose discipline. And as you choose those things, you'll live in freedom and you'll live in peace and you'll live in health when it comes to your finances. That's what God has for you. And I believe it's what God wants for you every single day. Let's work to build it together and let's work to build it for ourselves and for our family and for our future. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your grace for us. Thank you for your wisdom the wisdom from your word that is for us today. Thank you that the words that you spoke, thousands of years ago are still true and applicable for us today. So God, I pray that we would choose to take these tools that you have given to us and that we would put them into practice and that it would build something good and something strong and something peaceful and something healthy and something free in the world of our finances. So God, help us to prioritize. Help us to pay attention to what matters most and to what matters most now. Help us to pay attention to what season we are in and what step we must take. Help us to choose restraint, to say no when we know we should say no. And help us to say no sometimes that we're not sure we should say no. And help us to choose discipline, to prioritize, and to choose restraint over and over and over again because of what we want to build and what we know you have for us. So God, help us to do this. Help us to put this into practice. Help us not be people who have heard from your word and then go about our lives in exactly the same way, but help us to put into practice everything that your word has said. We love you, God. Would you use your word and your wisdom as we put it into practice to build freedom and peace and health in the world of our finances. We love you and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.